This is Future Diaries, a podcast from the future, from the future. Future Diaries, the podcast that transcends space and time. I'm Mike. And I'm Antonis, and we're your hosts. As our longtime listeners know, Mike and I are intertemporal gliders. If you are new to the show, that means that we search for and share stories across the multiverse, aiming to inspire listeners to build better presents and futures. In our last episode, we heard from Adaisy, a school-age girl from Western Africa in a universe not so different from many of yours, dear listeners. She daydreamed about intertemporal communications technologies long before they existed in her universe. If only she'd known she was on the right track with just a few modifications to technologies she already knew and loved. Yes, I, I found that this story quite touching. In today's episode, we'll be revisiting a universe you might remember from last season's episode about the children of the Earth. That's right. After a year of time has passed in your universe, we've reconnected with Danny the explorer and scientist from uh, Neustadt an der Havel in Germany. I've been anxious to speak with Danny again ever since we first spoke with her last year. As you may recall, life on Earth in Danny's universe had gotten pretty bad. Ecosystems had been degraded to the point of collapse, and no food grew without significant technological intervention. Danny shared her story as a cautionary tale, but she was also looking for practical advice from spacefarer listeners who have terraforming experience, since terraforming is basically what Earth needed to undergo in her universe. You might also recall, dear listeners, our episode last year featuring a story and interview with Tev Dalar, the Saraladin xenoanthropologist and intergalactic political reform advocate. Tev Dalar's advocacy focuses on reevaluating the Saraladin's policy of non-intervention, which for hundreds of years has prevented Saraladin citizens from any involvement in other planets' affairs. After witnessing the tragic demise of human life on Earth and her universe due to very preventable human mistakes, Tevdalar began seriously questioning the wisdom of non-intervention. She wanted to make sure that, take it or leave it, knowledge of Serladinian successes and failures and the wisdom the Serladin have gained is at least available for peoples in her universe. That's right, Mike. That's why, after establishing contact with Tevdalar last year, we wanted to amplify the story of Earth in her universe. And while Tevdalar continues to advocate against non-intervention in her universe, the Serlidinian policy never applied to multiversal outreach. So we were happy to share her story. And she was happy to start broadcasting the Future Diary show in her universe. We shared the whole back catalog of episodes with Tevdalar to broadcast. And when she heard Denny's story about the children of the Earth and her plea for tips on terraforming planets... She knew there must be some knowledge in Serladinian history that could help. So, Tev Dalar and a few of her fellow anti-non-intervention advocate friends began perusing dusty Serladinian technical tomes on terraformation and passing advice our way to share with Danny and the survivors of the Children of the Earth. We actually first tried to reconnect with Danny several months ago, but we only recently received a reply from her. We've been wanting to see how things are going and to check in on whether the former leaders of the Children of the Earth, you know, the ones who absconded with all the weapons, yeah, whether they have returned. As it turns out, things in Danny's universe are worse than we'd feared, and it's been tough for Danny to respond. 
but she shared the recent diary entry and asked us to share with her listeners. Shall we have a listen? Absolutely. Let's roll. December 27th, 2090, Neustadt and der Old German Republic. Dear Diary, It's hard to believe it's been a year since my last entry, but I think you'll forgive me once I explain. Life has been incredibly difficult in just about every front in the last year. Shortly after encountering the survivors of the Children of the Earth, we succeeded in restoring power and function to their generators and food growing and intertemporal communication systems. But food was still scarce as the crops failed when the food growers went offline. We planted a new crop as soon as they were up and running again, but we had to ration what little food we could salvage and scavenge the region for anything edible while the crops grew. We also lived for months in constant fear of the return of the former leaders of the Children of the Earth, who ran off with all their weapons. We mostly tried to keep our heads down as our makeshift defenses didn't stand a chance against their weapons, but we had no idea what we were actually up against. There was a brief period a few months later, after the first crops were harvested, when things were looking up a little. We finally had fresh produce to eat and were beginning to feel a bit better for it. But we've known for a while that to have any chance of thriving longer term, we need to start restoring ecosystems. I had broadcast a plea across the multiverse for anyone with knowledge on terraforming planets to share what they knew. Mike, Antonis and Caitlin, some folks who got in touch after hearing and amplifying one of my broadcasts, began passing advice from some of their listeners back to us. Because our resources are so limited, we had to adapt and prioritize their advice and balance any terraforming actions we took against immediate material scarcities we were still struggling with. It felt good to be doing something, anything that felt like a step in the right direction. But then, about three and a half months ago, they came. Not the former leaders of the Children of the Earth, but someone much worse. The two pins. As our bad luck would have it, the former leaders of the Children of the Earth desperate for food after leaving the ruins of Berlin, wandered eastward for what must have been weeks, eking out their survival until they ran into a Tupin outpost. Outgunned and desperate for food, they struck a deal with the Tupins. In exchange for sharing information about the children of the Earth, their technology, and the location of their former bunker, they were granted amnesty. And somehow... They were able to parlay their leadership experience into middle management positions within the Tupin regime. Despite our best efforts to lie low, we still occasionally had to come to the surface to collect water, dispose of waste, and begin implementing our meager efforts to start restoring local ecosystems. Sadly, it wasn't long before the Tupins found us, overcoming our minimal defenses annexing our territory and usurping our technology and personal possessions. I was able to hide my voice recorder and our intertemporal broadcaster before they could get their hands on them. But 
But with the two prince forces watching our every move, it's become rather difficult to talk regularly with the outside. So that's where I find myself now, the subject of an oppressive regime. With the new leadership in town, we have had a little more to eat, but our new leaders are taking all the fresh produce we produce for themselves. Our freedom of movement, self-determination, and even bodily autonomy have also been curtailed, and our terraforming efforts put on hold. We've tried to convince the Tupins to let us continue our efforts to restore our ecosystems, but they're clearly afraid it's a ruse to gain power over their control over resources. They're not wrong. We'd love to have our freedom again. But we'd also love to work towards a shot at long-term survival. I'm afraid that's all I have time for right now. The next patrol is due to pass by in a few minutes, and I won't risk disclosing the location of this recorder and broadcaster. I'm not sure if or when I'll be able to update you again, but I at least wanted to share our fate for now. Thanks so much for coming back on the show, and thanks especially for making time to connect with us despite the extremely challenging circumstances you're facing right now. All right, so I wanted to start by asking, are you in a safe spot to be chatting with us right now? And I hope you're keeping an eye out for any Tupin patrols. Mike, yes, thanks for asking. I am in a safe spot for now. The next regular patrol isn't expected for a couple hours, and I've arranged some lookouts who will tip me off if an unscheduled patrol shows up. So I should be in good shape to chat for a while. All right. Well, please feel free to drop off at any time if you need to. Safety first. Okay, to get started, how long has it been since you recorded the diary entry we just heard? And has your situation gotten any better or worse since then? It's been a couple of weeks since I recorded that diary entry, and environmentally, uh, things are about the same as they were. Because our ecosystems are so degraded, getting anything to grow on Earth in our universe is serious business. Before the Tupins and the former leaders of the Children of the Earth arrived, we had begun preliminary efforts to enrich the soil in and around our settlement. This involved a combination of composting our food and agricultural scraps, and anything organic, really, including our own waste. To be honest, though, we, we don't produce much of any of these. Since food is scarce, we eat almost everything edible we, we can get our hands on. And since we're undernourished, we don't produce as much of our own waste either. But we've at least started, and in a very limited area, we're beginning to see some results. We've gathered and planted extra seeds from the hardiest crops in our food growers, and it looks like we'll have a few viable plants living outside our growers with this crop. I realize that probably doesn't sound like much to you or to many of your listeners, but it's a huge deal for us. I was beginning to wonder whether anything would ever grow outside our food growers again. So we celebrate even the minor successes. Well, that sounds like at least a little progress on the food production front. But it seems that daily life hasn't been great since the Tupins arrived. How have things changed? 
Well, outside the minor advances in food production, daily life has taken a turn for the worse. I mentioned in the diary entry that the two-pin regime has restricted our freedom of movement and our bodily autonomy, but that's putting it lightly. The Tupins enforce a number of practices they claim are in the interest of survival, but I'm not convinced, and neither are most of the survivors of the children of the Earth. After all, the children of the Earth only recently escaped a survivalist cult, and they're loath to be subjected to another one. You see, the Tupins believe they need to increase the birth rate to ensure there's a strong labor force in the next generation. But honestly, we're struggling mightily to provide for the people alive now. And it's not as simple as just producing more. The earth is barren and life-sustaining resources are scarce. Attempting to increase the population just through pro-natalist stances without even having systems in place to feed and take care of the people alive now doesn't inspire any confidence in would-be parents. Honestly, it feels like a recipe for disaster. But that hasn't stopped the Tupins from intervening in the reproductive decisions of people here. Abortions, contraception, and anything other than monogamous heterosexual romantic relationships are all strictly forbidden. Punishable by exile, which is basically a death sentence. But they keep ranting on and on about having a sufficient supply of infants, as if children were some kind of produce. This is heartbreaking to hear. I'm sorry you have to live in such a harsh reality, but I still can't comprehend how the Tupins link these um, policies to survival on the planet. Could you perhaps help me understand this? How could the people possibly accept such measures? Is it just their fear of the Tupins, or are they actually convinced this works? Well, I don't quite get it either, to be honest, but uh, there are people who believe the Tupins' natalist policies are the right move. In one sense, they're right that if humans are going to thrive in the long term, we, we need more of us. But the Tupins seem to think that once more babies are born, the resources will magically appear to take care of all of us. I've been living off the land for a couple of decades at this point, and I know the ecological devastation firsthand. But one of the Tupins' tactics is carefully controlling public discourse. In addition to restrictions on our freedom of movement and bodily autonomy, They've also limited our rights together, and they strictly punish anyone who questions their authority, saying we must stay united in the face of extinction. This has all created a hushed atmosphere of fear. Most people just keep their heads down and do what they need to survive, and I, I can't say I always blame them. We're barely making it out here. So, as long as the Tupins offer some scraps to survive on, it makes it easier for people to conceive of them as some sort of saviors against whatever bogeyman they come up with. Usually the bogeymen are just the next closest group they haven't succeeded in taking over yet. And once they do take them over, they're so obsessed with growing the population that they quickly try to assimilate them culturally or try to find a way to explain how they were part of the two pins all along. Danny, this all sounds so stressful. I'm so sorry you have to live with the two pins. I was wondering if you could tell us a little more about them, though. What are their origins, and how did they come to power? We've only been living under Tupin rule for a few months now, but I've already learned through word of mouth that there's a big difference between the Tupin's official story and reality. If you ask the Tupin's leader, he'll tell you his power comes from the legitimacy of his survival message, multiply and replenish the earth. 
It's a phrase he took from an ancient text that he claims is the key to human salvation. He'll tell you humans are suffering because they've strayed from the wisdom of the ancients and that this message of multiplying and replenishing the earth resonates with his followers because they know it's right. But he doesn't ever allow competing ideas to get off the ground. And who counts as Tupin's followers is really just the smaller bands of humans he's encountered and been able to overpower and coerce to join him. Reality is much more a case of might makes right. The Tupins are the biggest game in town, and they've stayed in power mostly through dumb luck, force, manipulation, and propaganda. I know from speaking with you and people in other universes I've connected with that regimes like the Tupins don't have to last forever but that they can persevere without effective opposition. Yet, opposition seems impossible when we barely have the resources to survive and when our movements and gatherings are subjected to so much scrutiny. You know, it was so wonderful after our last chat to get tips from your Sailor Din listeners on terraforming, even though we haven't made it very far in implementing their recommendations. So... If I could ask your audience a favour again, could you please send your tactics for resisting oppressive regimes when you have limited resources? We're trying to do something, anything to change their minds, to convince other Tupin subjects that alternative and less oppressive ways of life are possible, even desirable and more conducive to human flourishing in the long run. Well, we hope this conversation is useful in getting the word out to our audience about your situation. And that's a great reminder to our listeners. If, after listening to today's show, you believe you have any information or knowledge on resistance strategies that could be useful to Danny and the survivors of the Children of the Earth, please send them to us at Future Diaries, and we'll pass them along. We know this isn't much, but it's the least we can do to help. All right, we'd like to end with what's always our final question. What message do you hope our audience will take away from your story? Um, well, <laughs> I'm not quite sure, to be honest. Um, but one thing that's been sort of a recurring theme in my thoughts is how much we tend to take for granted until we lose it. and It's too late. I've described the situation we're currently in. But even earlier in life, I can't believe how much I took simple things for granted, like running water and having at least some cheap pasta to eat. And from those tangible little everyday things, I go on to think about less obvious things I was also taking for granted, like reproductive rights or equality. I guess I wasn't really appreciating the value of those things because I, I wasn't even realizing it when they were not scarce or taking away like they are now. So I do realize it now, but it, is it too late? And since I mentioned the word value, I, I guess I should also say that when you have all those things taken away from you, that's when you realize how small some trivial things are in comparison to them. Things like, does it matter which football team we think is better in my house versus my neighbors? By comparison, these are meaningless differences when our common freedoms are threatened or taken away from us. I guess what I'm trying to say is we should be more aware of our rights and what is actually valuable and fight for them before they disappear instead of getting hung up on trivial things. Those are some wise words to end on. Thanks again for joining us today, Danny, despite everything. That will do it for this episode of Future Diaries. 
And to you, our listeners, if you appreciate what we're doing here on Future Diaries, please don't forget to become a patron at patreon.com slash future diaries. Future Diaries patrons in your universe get exclusive benefits, including merch, early access to podcast episodes, and extra privileges on our Discord server. And be sure to join our Discord server where we can build a community of Future Diaries together or at least share ideas on topics like the ones we discussed today. Please also rate and subscribe to Future Diaries on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed in your universe. You can also visit our website at futurediaries.show, where you can find additional content about us and the universes we come from, as well as subscribe to our newsletter, join our Discord server, and find other ways to connect with us here at Future Diaries. I'm Antonis. And I'm Mike. And we'll talk to you in the future. future.